Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Mock draft season is here. The feeling that we get in this time of the calendar, Hayden, uh, it's unmatched. Let's put it that way. You and I have both released our first mock drafts. You can all find them down in the description below. But today, Hayden and I picks one through 32. Simple, Hayden. We're just aiming for, for perfection. How do you feel? You're being way too humble. There have been 38.6 million mock drafts posted to Google. The earth has yep. been around for 4.5 billion years. You've yep. had the greatest mock draft ever. And this yep. is the intro you come out with. You could have come out uh, doing whatever you want. I was wishing that you had the sunglasses, wine them, dine them, 69 them, all of that stuff. We're going for the big stuff. Um, and I'm prepared. You are either coming in first place or last place this year. I don't know which one I'm rooting for more, but we need one. Uh, one of the you're either coming in first or last. That's all I can say. Well, we're going to come in first once again. If then people know, like if, if you did not know, if you've been living under a rock, we hit 16 of 32 picks last year. We did together. So we just got to top that this year. No big deal. A little more uncertainty. Why can't we do it? Why can we not do it? Okay, let's dive into it. Not waste the people's time out there. You can find these mock drafts again on underdognetwork.com. We're going picks one. Through 32. And let's start it off, Hayden Winks. Aiden Hutchinson overall, number one pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This was a pretty easy decision for me based on where the Jaguars set prior to free agency and where they sit now. The franchise tag of Cam Robinson, in my opinion, right now, has eliminated them from any interest in whatever tackle people projected at number one overall. Can that franchise tag be rescinded in the future? Possibly. We have seen it before with Josh Norman, but some combination of Aiden Hutchinson or Trevon Walker, and it seems like Hutchinson is the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick right now. Yeah, minus 250 to go first overall. I think those odds are too low. I, I would I would take that. I haven't seen a credible mock draft without Aiden Hutchinson in a yep. long, long time, mostly because of the Cam Robinson. It's not just him. Jawan Taylor, they drafted Walker Little as well. So they have plenty of offensive tackle depth. Uh, John Shipley from Sports Illustrated is who I look for the most with Jaguars coverage. He's super confident. It's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. So I think that uh, we can mostly move on. I think this is not a total lock, but it's it's close to it. Well, let's jump down to number two overall, the Detroit Lions. Uh, since the NFL Combine, I've questioned and wondered, well, what can the Lions do here? Because I think Trevon Walker, Trayvon Walker is the easy selection here. At number two overall, a great pass rusher, great traits, maybe not as productive as people wanted, but we have seen multitudes of occasions. If you have, you know, an athletic background, rushing the passer in a one-on-one -on -one situation is a pretty easy outcome. Now, Hayden, when you sit at number two overall, how often can you say entering a draft cycle, well, the quarterback that we evaluate at the top of our board, we are 100% going to get him rare. It is very rare in a draft cycle when building a team that you can look at those in the room around you and say, we get our number one guy. So I understand personal evaluations here at quarterback for me right now. I'm Malik Willis out of Liberty as a number two overall selection. Part of me also thinks that look, if the decision makers in that room, I think it's pretty easy for us on the outside to say, well, this might not be the best quarterback class ever, especially 2023 might be better. 
But if you were in that room on that staff, especially one filled with a ton of former players, Hayden, I'm sure they don't look at each other and say, I can't wait to suck next year. So we get another, you know, top three, top five overall pick. You're in this spot, take advantage of it and nail the evaluation. And that's why I have them taking the Lions number two, a quarterback. I'm with you with Malik Willis. In my mock draft, I had him going 32nd overall. And I think what what they could think about is if they know that other teams aren't that interested in Malik Willis or if it's Kenny Pickett, whoever their guy is, they have the 32nd and 34th overall pick where they can trade back up. Just trading those two picks already gets them to about 12th overall. So I wonder if they take the best player available and then play that game of value knowing that just the quarterback class in general isn't as viewed and they can trade up to do it. It's really tough though, because I mean, I see mock drafts with Trayvon Walker, uh, yep. Chris Burke the, from the athletic in his mock draft, he went cave on Thibodeau, which I'm not ruling out. That's what kind of like the consensus was before we started galaxy bringing everything. So this is already impossible to predict. I think it's between Trayvon Walker, uh, cave on Thibodeau or Malik Willis. Um, I'm leaning edge rusher because they can trade back up or just punt it off for next year. Sure. But if you trade back up, you might not be getting the number one guy on your board. And I know that you do a great job of really digesting a lot of mock draft and draft content out there. I know my buddy, Dane Brugler, Daniel Jeremiah, Lance Zerline have basically like laughed off on some occasions, like one Malik Willis being the number two overall pick and even some being listed among the top 32 picks overall. What's your read on that? Well, Daniel Jeremiah in his latest mock drafts didn't have Malik Willis in the first round, period. Just yep. left him completely off the board. So, and if I'm looking at rankings, I am yet to see a analyst actually rank Malik Willis this high. I think it's like by default, maybe we can see the Lions reach on it, but they have been playing the long game with this. They restructured um, or extended Jared Goff's contract and stuff. There's, I wouldn't be that surprised if they pass on him. I, I think that they would, if I were them, I would be, I would go the edge rusher that they like maybe Kayvon Thibodeau or Trayvon Walker. I actually like Kayvon Thibodeau's odds the best at like plus 500 and then use those other picks to trade back up. If you need it to happen, Lamar Jackson fell the 31st overall. That was more like a traits player um, as well. I can see weirder things happen than he's like Malik Willis really starts to fall here. The opinions are all over the place. Correct. Opinions are all over the place. And I will add that, you know, it really wasn't until April 19th last year when the entire draft media big draft thought that Mac Jones was going to be the number three overall selection. And then, then some whispers mainly coming from this direction that Trey Lance was going to be the number three overall selection that didn't pop up until April 19th or April 21st. We are still extremely early in all of this. There's plenty of time for some news, some information, some team to quarterback link to pop up here. But I'll plant a flag early on and say quarterback overall here at number two. And that doesn't mean every team needs to have Malik Willis as the number one overall quarterback. Just takes you know? one. It also doesn't mean that we're going to see another quarterback in the first round. You know, it just takes one team to believe in him and believe that they will build around that. And just from this perspective, I don't know. I'm not going to evaluate the quarterback right now in terms of him needing time. But they're pretty confident with Jared Goff and comfortable with Jared Goff in that situation at the moment. And this is just, again, an occasion where you don't find yourself or want to be selecting again in the top three, top five, top ten for a very long time. Take the chance, take the swing, and do it when you have the opportunity. Yeah, if you're looking just for NFL draft props, I like the Lions to take Malik Willis at plus 350 rather than uh, Malik Willis going second overall just because of the thing I talked about where they can trade back up to get him if they really view him that high. All right, Houston Texans, number three overall, have them selecting offensive lineman Icky Iquanu. Now, 
Hayden. This team <laughs> roster sucks. Like they are <laughs> in a dire, needs, dire straits. Ooh. Yes. So when you look at team needs, it's not just all positions. It's basically like all pillar positions as well. I want to start off with this comment. When we talk about quarterbacks in the Texans, when you read through what John McClain, who has recently retired, has said, Pep Hamilton has full reign of the offense. And he is the one who is saying that Davis Mills is our quarterback for 2022. So any thought of them selecting a quarterback number three overall, I think we need to banish that thought and believe that they want to build around that at least for this season. And then maybe reevaluate the quarterback position after that. Cause I think it's like really a a great opportunity for, for Davis Mills to shine possibly this year. Yeah, I think that's really big. The the issue I'm debating here is it seems like they want an edge rusher as well. And that's why I was leaning towards uh, Trayvon Walker if he's available at number three. Yep. And maybe they can address the offensive tackle. I think like the Lions, they have a little bit more depth at offensive tackle relative. I mean, they still have Larry Mutunzel for the next two seasons on big guaranteed money where I originally was leaning uh, basically Kayvon Thibodeau or Trayvon Walker, whichever one falls here. But the offensive tackles are going to be going this high and, and Icky has the best odds of going first um, among the offensive linemen. Was there any rationale why you picked him in particular or? Well, yes. One, Larry Tunsil still on the roster. And then at one of the tackle spots, it's kind of feels like Titus Howard might be moving back out there after playing guard early in his career. And it seems most comfortable at the tackle spot. I believe Icky has, played or been projected at multiple offensive line spots, not just at left tackle, but inside at guard. And look, there's a lot of pieces. This team is not, you know, finished being built. It wouldn't surprise me at all from a year from now, if Larry Tunzel is not on the roster at all, or if Titus Howard isn't, then you can move it around there. Your point on not just edge rusher, but offensive tackle. And I would add in wide receiver, we're going to get to in a moment. Those are loaded positions at the top of the draft. But as soon as one goes, there's going to be a massive, massive run. Yeah. And so I felt, that where this one starts, why not start the offensive line, you know, run and be able to take the top guy on your board? And just from my thought of of the versatility of the player, Icky at number three makes the most sense. Yeah, he's minus 280 to being a top five pick. So I'm yeah. I'm right there with you. I think the Giants also make sense here. Uh, the Panthers, I think he's, I, I would be surprised if he falls outside of the, the top nine is the lowest with the Seahawks. So I think we're going to see three probably top 10 tackles. Yeah, and they have another pick at number 13 overall, which we'll get to here in a moment. All right, there's Houston Texans at number three. Here we go to the New York Jets at number four overall. Trayvon Walker, pass rusher, out of Georgia. I think a lot of people based on looking at the roster say, wow, the cornerback room absolutely sucks for the New York Jets. Why haven't they done anything for multiple years? I would say that that's a philosophical belief of not just the general manager, but also the head coach. One, look at Robert Sala's defenses in San Francisco. It was all about loading up on pass rushers and really just getting by at the cornerback position. Look at Joe Douglas and his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. It was loading up on pass rushers and on some level, kind of just getting by in the cornerback department. So... The Jets obviously spent a good amount of money on Carl Lawson last year, missed the entire year after tearing it up by all accounts in preseason. So pairing him with someone like Trevon Walker with Quinnen Williams on the inside starts to, you know, create or manufacture 
some type of a 49ers-esque defensive line that Robert Sala can continue to progress with his defense here in New York. The Athletics, Connor Hughes, who covers the Jets, literally just straight up tweeted, they are not drafting a cornerback at number four or number 10. And that goes against the consensus. Right now, the consensus is Sauce Gardner. Most of the mock drafts you'll see, including the, the one that I posted uh, yesterday, had Sauce Gardner there. But I think that you can get some plus money on either Kayvon Thibodeau following. That's who Connor Hughes mocked. Trayvon Walker follow, falling. I think it'd be like too early to draft one of the wide receivers. Yep. Um, but it seems like just based off of the kind of swings and misses that they've been having in free agency, they're looking for another edge rusher. They're looking for another wide receiver. And then I guess they can find corners elsewhere. I don't understand why they don't want corners. Like uh, to me, I would pick Sauce Gardner, but every team has their own strengths and weaknesses. I do want to note all last draft for the Jets was completely offense and their free agency moves have been offense too. They need defensive players. So I think like in you have a defensive minded head coach. I would be I wouldn't be shocked if they went two defensive players here. I know everyone keeps mocking the wide receivers. We'll get to that in a second, but they yeah. they've surrounded Zach Wilson with a lot of at least assets. Whether how good they are, we can debate that. But they're at least trying on on offense. They need defense really bad. Yeah, and we'll get to their another first round pick at, at pick number ten, and we'll have that wide receiver conversation there in a moment. We know all the wide receivers that they were linked to. I believe they were also linked to Chandler Jones during this free agency and offseason period. And so we always say follow the money, follow the interest. They want another big-time pass rusher. That would have cost a boatload of money. Makes sense. X marks the spot here uh, along with the pass rushers. Okay, before we move on, all of you that are here, thanks for tuning in. All of you are new. Thanks for tuning in. About 58% of you who are watching are not subscribed. You absolute losers. What are you doing? Join us this draft season. We have so many scouting profiles, highlight package videos on this channel with all the top wide receivers, the top running backs, all that good stuff. This is one of the best months of the year just because of the draft. We're so glad you're joining us. So like and subscribe down below. All right, let's hop back to it. Number four overall, we cover the Jets, pass rusher. Now we go... Just basically in the same stadium, the same building, New York Giants. I understand that a lot of people have it on some level, Icky and then Evan Neal. But Hayden, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, once we get into the mindset of, well, this is how, you know, big draft ranks prospects and this is how they're going to fall. If one of these names, a la Charles Cross, who I have going the Giants here, emerges and jumps one of those, we should not be surprised in the least. And this is not a Charles Cross who's going to play left tackle. I really firmly believe that the Giants want Andrew Thomas to play left tackle. This is a Charles Tom Charles Cross who can play on the right side. And in fact, I believe I read a report from Pat Leonard who said that the Giants coaching staff asked and wished Charles Cross to go through during his pro day workout right tackle snaps, and he obliged. Yeah, in his mock draft, he had Charles Cross uh, at it. fifth overall as well. And I, I'm totally with you. Charles Cross is minus 500 to go top 10. So, like, we shouldn't be super confident that he's, like, the third offensive lineman. No, he's minus 500, almost yep. a guarantee that he's going top 10 here. I think we're going to get to those the top three tackles. I think they all three of them will go top 10 here. I'm not confident in the order. And I'm just going to follow the beat reporters. They're telling me Charles Cross right now. Um, I'll follow. Yep. Uh, and when you think about Joe Shane time with the bills, Brian Dayball, his time with the bills, they saw a tidal wave 
of offensive linemen come in who not just help the quarterback play, but also the offense in general. One offseason, they brought in about six offensive linemen to go along with, obviously, a, a new left tackle. So Charles Cross having some bookend tackles. Hopefully, Andrew Thomas continues to recover, I think, from a second ankle surgery that removes some bone spurs. Uh, lining him up at right tackle makes a lot of sense out there. And we know that another pick for them is coming up at a different position. But in between, it's the Carolina Panthers. So let's have this discussion, Hayden. I have the Panthers selecting offensive tackle Evan Neal. The Panthers have really done a lot of work in trying to set the offensive lineup for some level of success, extending Taylor Moten at right tackle, bringing in Austin Corbett and Bradley Bozeman with a few other kind of bad pieces last year. I know a lot of people, and maybe you can tell me, believe that a quarterback is is going in this direction. It just came out right before we jumped on this show that the Panthers are going to bring in about five quarterbacks for interviews and you know visits next week. They want to be wowed by a quarterback this year. I don't know if one is going to be able to do that to them. And really, Hayden, they haven't wanted one to in the last few years. They need a quarterback evaluation in this class to exceed the quarterback evaluations that they had of Mac Jones and Justin Fields, two players that they passed on at number eight overall. Yeah, right now, so these are the the positions. Um, I follow nine people that do mock drafts. I think these are the top names, Josh included. Four of them have quarterbacks. Five of them have offensive tackles. So it seems about 50-50 to me. I can see them trading down because the, the problem with the Panthers is they don't have a second or third pick. They, I believe their next pick is 137th overall. So if they don't go quarterback here, that means they are trading future picks for like Jimmy G or something like that. I don't see another way they can do this. So I can see them maybe possibly trading down and then going from there. But um, I, I'm not sold that they are in love with with the quarterback positions. I think just in general, the evaluations just aren't high enough on these quarterbacks to reach. And that obviously, if I am picking one, it's got to be Kenny Pickett. Uh, he went to the school where the owner graduated from. He was recruited by Matt Rule. Everything kind of makes sense. He's a distributor with weapons in place. I'm leaning with you and leaning against the quarterback position. I'm going to guess it's going to be like Jimmy G or something like right after the draft or right before it. Yeah. And Jimmy G isn't fully healthy coming off that shoulder surgery. And I understand and tell me if I'm forgetting where this quote came from, that there was quote unquote mutual disinterest between Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. I wouldn't totally rule that out yet. Just yeah. wouldn't totally rule that one out. Um, I think it's very easy with the Kenny Pickett, Matt rule photo that they took when he offered, when Matt rule looked about 40 years younger than he does right now. Uh, I just think that that's an entire shift in belief from a franchise who said from the last two years, we want a veteran quarterback. That's all we're going to do. And we're going to try to build a roster up to win and not go after one of these rookies to then, you know, fall out of favor with the likes of Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, not be their pick. And so now you're back to the drawing board. Can you that quickly say, um, these evaluations that we've had for a little bit, we're actually going to take one of these rookie quarterbacks. It, it truly might happen, but I get the same exact feeling this year that I got last year. And it kind of feels like an anyone but Sam, like they're still going to bring in another quarterback here, but I, I'm not certain it's a, it's a rookie quarterback. And to your point, Scott Fitterer loves to trade down. 
loves to trade down. Did it about three or four times last year after the Panthers rarely did it in the previous decade. So that is 100% a possibility after, you know, trading away second and third round picks for Sam Darnold and CJ Henderson. Yeah, they're going to trade down and then flip those picks for Jimmy G and Panthers Twitter is going to go nuts. Just real quick, last note, Joe Person, who's maybe the best Panthers beat reporter out there, he and his latest mock draft went off offensive tackle. He went icky there. So we're still trying to play which offensive tackle fits which spot yep. or which team, but he is saying offensive tackle at least. So I kind of want to follow. Yeah. And Joe made an interesting point where you've seen the Panthers decision makers at the forefront of a lot of these pro day workouts. And Joe, who was very connected, said, it seems a little too obvious, doesn't it? Like they really want it to be known. They're going up and checking his hand size in front of the cameras. And maybe they're showing their cards a little too much to the point that they're not really as into it as people think they are. And Evan Neal would slide in immediately on the left side. And you have some decent pieces there along the offensive line. All right. There's number six overall. We're going to spend more time on the top 10 than anything else. That, that's where if you're trying to win the mock draft competition out there, all credit to you. You need to nail that top 10. Because we got 9 of 10 last year. All correct. So, if we can just play a little game theory here, there's no reason for the Giants to select a cornerback at number 6 overall, or 5 overall, because the Panthers will not select one at number 6. You know? Yep. They just re-signed Dante Jackson. They got J.C. Horn at number 8 overall last season. They traded for C.J. Henderson. They're not selecting a corner. That's why, at number 7, Sauce Gardner to the Giants makes a lot of sense. Wink Martindale, new D.C. Just think of that Ravens defense. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, a whole bunch of other talents. It disintegrated last year because of all the injuries at that position. You have those cornerbacks line up and one-on-one, ask them to win in isolation, then went up front with a bunch of athletes and a bunch of bigger bodies and manufacture pressure. And that's why I'm sure that this is almost chalk at this point, but Sauce Gardner to the Giants at number seven overall makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if he lasts that long, I think that this would be an, an easy pick they play cover one more than any team in the league and they have to have man covered. And that's what sauce Gardner would provide. It's, it's starting to become the consensus, including um, Pat Leonard, who covers the giants as well. They're trying to get out of James Bradbury's contract. So yeah. obviously you got to replace him immediately. I, I think that they're like $1 million under the cap or something right now. And that's still to sign, obviously their entire draft class. They'll need some money during the season to make some moves and James Bradbury's contract is the most likely one to either be restructured or cut most likely the latter. And so they're going to need at least one more corner. So it makes too much sense there at number seven. Okay. Here's a fun one. Hayden number eight, overall Atlanta Falcons. They were in a very interesting position last year at number four, again, with the likes of Mac Jones and Justin Fields available, they decided to ride it out with Matt Ryan. And here we are 365 days later, no Matt Ryan on the roster. Calvin really suspended for the year and new Julio Jones. So they selected a one of one last year in Kyle Pitts. I have them taking the defensive version of one-on-one and that's Jordan Davis along the interior of that defensive line, a local guy who this defense for way too long has been carried by Grady Jarrett and more recently, AJ Terrell, literally no one else on that defense. So bring in Jordan Davis and thrive and have some fun. It would be hilarious to get this rebuild started with a defensive tackle and a tight end. Like these are incredible players. Don't get me wrong, but like, I mean, come but on. They're unicorn. I mean, yeah. One Kyle Pitts is legit. A wide receiver is going to probably line up on the outside 40 plus percent of the snaps next season. And then you have Jordan Davis who legitimately 
is the most athletic player we have ever seen enter the NFL when you combine size and weight, period. And getting that, that's why I understand, like, you know, he's played 300 snaps last season. He's not, you know, playing nearly as many snaps as everyone else. One, my read, uh, Georgia can recruit some pretty good players. Why not rotate them? You know, why not get a whole bunch of five stars in and out? We see it. They've lit up the combine too deep based on how many prospects and recruits that they had. And two, get this guy on the field and let him thrive. Like, he is going to press the pocket. He's going to push the pocket. And again, lining up to their next other defensive player and Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell in the back half, that's at least a core, hopefully, that you continue to build with. Yeah, Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons, had this mocked up. So I think this Ooh, is like the, the peak. It. This is the peak where Jordan Davis can get drafted. Um, and then he can probably fall all the way down to about like 17 overall to the Chargers. So that we're in the, the Jordan Davis windows over under on draft props is 13 and a half. Okay. Just sit back for a moment. Take a step back. Can you envision a player who is truly, let me repeat it, the most athletic prospect we have ever seen enter the NFL? Can you see that dropping out of the top 10? I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Really? Just, yeah, I mean, some of the teams that are that you're looking at are already so defensive tackle heavy, like the Giants teams up or the, the New York teams just in general. I, I think like the the tackles seem to be projecting a little bit better as well. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if he goes in braid at all. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think the floor is about 17th overall just because it's so damn athletic. Yeah. Just surveying these drafts year over year over year, to me, it would be stunning for a prospect like this to not be drafted in the top 10. Like, we just don't see that type of thing, you know? Yeah. There's been a lot of defensive tackles that have gone, like, near the top 10 that have, haven't really paid off, so I wonder if that's going to scare teams a little bit. Yeah, but none of them are built, built like this dude. Okay. So number nine... Derek Stingley, LSU corner, Hayden, all we've heard whenever you bring up Derek's name, oh, his freshman year was incredible, and then it kind of drifted away after that. Guess who kind of loves that? Pete Carroll and John Schneider. I mean, I can throw out players who their value decreased because of injuries or poor play towards the end of their season. Sidney Jones at the same position. DK Metcalf, Malik McDowell. Like, I can keep going on and on and on. One, this team is not afraid to take advantage of a dip in market value based on injury, which this corner had. But also, they love players who've been through shit, you know? And dealing with injuries the last two years, probably in their eyes, oh, he overcame it. He also played against these top wide receivers and competed the hell against them at practice. We went back and asked for his tape against Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I'm just reiterating exactly what Pete Carroll and John Schneider are going to say there up on the podium after selecting Derek Stingley number nine overall. I've seen this pairing come up a couple times in, in the last week. So I think it's certainly in play that their cornerback situation is not good. Their tackle situation is a stone cold disaster. So I think well, they don't like, have anyone. Yeah. That's why I think they should, they should probably look at that position. I had them with going with Charles cross. That's the other consensus pick is Charles cross. Derek Stingley. Uh, just talking about the quarterback, because I think that this is a team mm. that's going to get looked at with Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. Here's my big galaxy brain thinking. Matt Corral, Old Miss, Lane Kiffin, Monty Kiffin, Pete Carroll. That's the type of player that they're kind of looking at. And they have picks later on that they can address the offensive tackle. They already have the skill guys in place and then go with the cheap uh, day two quarterback and try to rebuild this Russell Wilson thing. So keep your eyes out for, for Matt Corral. They were looking at each other at the NFL draft. In fact, yeah. 
or uh, there's, the, there's a the photo of them at the combine in the stands in Indianapolis. This it, the Lane Kiffins, yeah, oh yeah, Pete Carroll's, Matt Corral's of the world. We're all sitting yeah. there together, buddy, buddy, buddy. Um, I'm with you. I think that's absolutely feasible. Would it shock me at all if the Seahawks at number nine just take a quarterback? No, not in the least. This is a team that remember for years we're just taking players that no one else like had in the first round or even close to it, right? Um, so that's that's 100% possible. And in this iteration of this mock draft, there will be more. Uh, none of those top three tackles are still on the board. So Stingley just makes a, a lot of sense. All right, closing up the top 10, let's go back to the Jets. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. So we talked about their interest in Chandler Jones and how that leads us to most likely thinking the Jets are still going to invest at the edge rusher position. So at wide receiver, they also chased Amari Cooper. They chased Calvin Ridley, and they had a trade accepted for Tyreek Hill. Those are all number one wide receivers in the league. They also are a certain body type. And tell me if I'm reading into this a little too much, Hayden. That's that vertical playmaker. All three of those players can do that. Calvin Ridley at one point led the NFL in 20-plus yard targets. We know Tyreek Hill can win in that area. And Amari Cooper, boom, vertical speed, let's go. Maybe that's a bit unfair, but I also think that that might take them out of the Drake Londons, the Traylon Burkses of the world. So then that led me to the Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave territory. And these guys, you know, offer different things than what Corey Davis and Elijah Moore bring. And if you can unlock the top of the coverage and have everyone else plus the new two tight ends win underneath, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think Garrett Wilson can win just about in every single scenario. And if you go and watch our video on him, you'll see some really, really fun moves in isolation and one-on-one and how easily he can separate. Yeah, it's interesting. Connor Hughes, he has Garrett Wilson. Benjamin Albright has Drake London. Then you have Bruce Feldman going Drake London. The Athletic goes back to Garrett Wilson. Daniel Jeremiah has Drake London. Then you have Garrett Wilson. So it seems like those are the top two wide receivers. They're both plus 125 uh, to be the first wide receiver selected. I can see going either way. I I still don't truly understand the need for the wide receivers. They just signed two tight ends. They're one of the teams that use a fullback. They use two tight end sets. They already spent money on Corey Davis. They they signed Braxton Berrios. They spent a second round pick on Elijah Moore, they already have spent a lot of money in picks on offensive tackles. I, I, this would seem like a luxury pick on a team that doesn't need luxury picks. They need like guys that are going to get there and get a bunch of snaps. So yeah, this seems to be kind of like forcing it a little bit, but at the same time, you're got to evaluate the quarterback. So I get it to a certain degree. I just think going into this, I thought that they already had like tried at offense, at least last year. Well, I would have agreed with you if not for the three wide receivers that they chased during this, you know, off-season cycle. And if they didn't do that, and if they then maybe I would be out on wide receivers for them, but it's very clear they still want to add another weapon, you know? So getting that type, and by the way, I, I thought maybe, you know, the Mike LaFleur working with Kyle Shanahan, maybe he would want a yards after catch threat, but it doesn't seem like so so maybe like Traylon Burks would fit that. And then obviously what Zach was whenever we went back and watched him thrived with those you know, contested catch receivers at BYU, maybe Drake London would fit with that. Not just isolating them, but just simplifying the evaluation a little bit. But again, I went back to look at who the Amari Coopers, Calvin Ridley's, and Tyreek Hills are of the world. And sure, they are proven NFL players. And so maybe it's a jump to a conclusion to do this. But Garrett Wilson, who can, you know, win at multiple levels of the field, to me, made sense. 
my favorite thing is you said that Zach Wilson thrived on throwing contested catches in college. Yeah. I, I just love that. Makes no right. sense. I love it. So we go number 10, one wide receiver, and we are on a run. Number 11, the Washington Commanders selecting Chris Olave out of Ohio State. You all know this. I've tracked Ron Rivera and Marty Herney for quite some time. During draft season, Ron Rivera really doesn't leave his home. Okay. There have only been three occasions and shout out to my guy, Billy on Twitter, Billy M. His tweet is linked in the column. You can all find it. Pointed this out during his time with the Panthers, Ron Rivera only left his house three times for pro days that were not in North Carolina. Okay. One was 2011 Auburn, Cam Newton. Also 2011 LSU, Patrick Peterson. And then in 2017, Stanford for Christian McCaffrey. Legit, that's it. So what do we see on March 23rd? Ron Rivera at the Ohio State Pro Day getting buddy-buddy with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I know Ben Standig has also come out and said, yes, they signed Curtis Samuel. That hasn't worked out so well. Terry McLaurin is still needing a contract. But they still want to add another big play wide receiver to this offense. So whichever one does not go at number 10, to me, I'm penciling them here at number 11 overall to pair with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Yeah, this is strictly tea leaves. This this would be a little bit too high for Chris Olave, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I was looking at like Kyle Hamilton. Like there's not like an exact fit for how bad this team is. They don't have like some screaming need. They kind of are just like pretty mediocre at a lot of positions. So I yeah, I'm gonna follow follow this. If if he doesn't want to leave his house and he's leaving his house, that's all I need. And look, maybe he just hadn't been able to travel for a while and now he wants to, but that that just reading the team because I, I do feel like that's a really important part of, of this process is trying to track where these coaches and where they show interest and how it differs in the past. And hopefully this one points in the right direction. Definitely going to check out J.P. Finley's stuff on Washington because he does amazing work uh, with that. And quickly, it wouldn't shock me if they try to add an offensive lineman here because they just lost Brandon Sheriff. I know that at points the offensive line really gelled together last season but if you just look at individual talents there's not a lot of it on the roster so maybe they do try to add an individual talent to it by the way check out this video we have a whole bunch of versus videos on the channel down below uh there's so much fun we had a great time putting them together we have this one with Garrett wilson and crystal lobby and just where they win how they win and how they differ from each other despite being on the same team all right number 12 overall so we have a new general manager, new head coach. First time in a long time for the Minnesota Vikings. It sucks for us trying to piece together of where they might go in the draft, Hayden, because typically you rely on like past decisions and how they impact future decisions. But Kwesi Adolfo Mensa comes from, you know, working underneath Andrew Barry and some other teams. I think he will very much follow how Andrew Barry looks at draft prospects, meaning one trade back, most importantly. And I think 12 trading back is probably the highest priority here. Since we're not featuring those, the next are pillar positions of cornerback, left tackle, wide receiver, edge, and quarterback. So I went with one of those players, the one that is falling in this iteration of the mock draft in Kayvon Thibodeau and pairing him with Zadarius Smith and Danelle Hunter because we know the Browns last year, Hayden, rotated a whole bunch of edge rushers there too. Yeah, so couple of notes here, just doing the math with what the picks that the Steelers have and what the Lions have, they can trade those picks to get to number 12. I think the Vikings 
are one of these teams that could definitely trade down. So that's like one of the first things. Do you think this is about as far as Kayvon Thibodeau could fall? I can see him being the second overall pick. I can see him falling to right about here. He's always ranked high and then like mocked lower. That's what I'm kind of noticing. Um, and and it, all it takes is one team. And I know he's he's been bugging some teams, but his production and athleticism is like off the charts good. So uh, does he fall out of the top 10? That seems like what, maybe close to 50, 50? So, p- part of me wonders... Like, what is the point of doing these exercises? And it's trying to predict what the NFL will do. And with like a player like this, where it seems like he didn't just gel with everyone, that's probably the best way of putting it. I don't know this guy at all, but it just seems like maybe his interactions with every single team wasn't perfect. Will that lead him to drop out of the top 10? Potentially. Could someone with this type of background say, oh, our evaluation is this high? Like, can we take advantage of this dip in market value? For sure. And get a player who's, you know, should be going in the top five or top three or whatever that we had, you know, grades on a year ago that were much higher, 100%. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, part of me also thinks, Hayden, that mindset that you have, which I don't think is incorrect, is based on where Big Draft had players ranked for an entire year or two years. And at, that's not maybe the best way of going about this either, you know? Yeah. I would say I kind of disagree just with him because he was like the number one recruit and he, he was. was pretty productive and all that stuff. He tested well. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not ruling out a super high selection. The the pick I'm rooting for, give me Derek Stingley here. I want him paired up with Pat Pete, two LSU legends. It fills a massive need. Talk about Denzel Ward and the Cleveland Browns. They keep drafting corners. They have, what, four or five corners that they keep spending premium picks on. So I think that if, if Derek Stingley falls, I think that this is basically – his floor. And I would kind of see just two LSU legends. Uh, I like that. And the Browns last year drafted Greg Newsom, who also dealt with some injuries during his time. And so it doesn't, I just would expect Quessy to not be as scared or fearful of selecting injured players as some other organizations too. Okay. Houston Texans at number 13. Again, earlier on at pick number three, I had them taking an offensive lineman. And again, the pillar positions, they have a lot of needs, but especially that plus edge rusher. Jermaine Johnson, who apparently is like flying up mock drafts right now. Hayden, yes. the difference to me between him and who I have at 12 at Kayvon Thibodeau is age. Like the Browns and hopefully now the Vikings will not select players in the first round that are older than 22 years old. And Jermaine Johnson is 23 plus, right? And so to me, while he's probably extremely talented, while a lot of teams probably love him, that might take him out of the market of some of these teams that really do factor age into their equations of first round selections. Yeah. And he wasn't all that productive either. And it's like one year of production. So he, he's the, the pick that it's super boom bust. He's like 99th percentile athleticism. Everything else is not going to pass the analytics Raiders. I will say though, edge rushers, the athleticism means a lot a compared lot. to some of the other positions. So I get some team taking a look. I think that what the, the Texans are going to be looking at is, do we like the offensive tackle or wide receiver that's going to be available at 13? Or do we like the edge rusher? And that's kind of the calculus that they're going to be doing with that third pick and the 13th pick. I think it's going to be edge rusher, offensive tackle, um, and wide receiver, kind of the, the three premium positions. Because like you said, it does not seem like they're going to be looking at quarterbacks. They want to give Davis Mills like a legit chance. And am I saying that Nick Casario might not be totally clued into, you know, age and his models? Probably. If there's a team that's going to do take the risky pick that goes against the analytics models, uh, Dan Houston might be number one. 
Yeah, and if you don't think athleticism matters for pass rushers, what are you talking about? Watch it is one of it is one of the true one-on-one matchups on an NFL field, and at its core, a slight advantage at the very least is given to the athletic guy, and then you build on from there. All right, fourteen. Talk about edge rushers. We start a run here, Hayden. George Karloftis out of Iowa. They tried to re-sign Zedaria Smith. In fact, they had a deal agreed to, and then he pulled away and went over to the Minnesota Vikings. Once again, follow the money, follow the checkbooks. That shows me that the Ravens are not done adding to their edge rusher group. They want a profile like that, and it kind of helps that this guy is built just like Zedaria Smith, around 6'3", 6'4", and 275 pounds. Yeah, it kind of seems like a, a exact culture fit, and he's the exact opposite of of Odafe Owe, who is based off of all speed, and he's more of that power uh, inside rusher. So yeah, it makes sense. He keeps getting mocked here. Daniel Jeremiah had this as well. The other pick that you like to see here mocked a lot is Jordan Davis. So it seems like the mm. big media is all over uh, the defensive line here. They they need some secondary pieces. As well, it seems like they've got um, a chance to go offensive tackle if one of the big guys falls. They had a weird quote about Ronnie Stanley and his recovery um, today, so I, I wouldn't rule out offensive tackle as well. Yeah, and they even signed Juwan James a year ahead of time after his Achilles injury to basically be their swing tackle after they brought in someone in free agency too. So it's hopefully Ronnie Stanley is healthy because he's one of the best left tackles in the league when he is. Okay, 15, Philadelphia Eagles. They obviously just had a trade. We can talk about that if you want to. Um their pursuit of Calvin Ridley is leading me to, at least in one of these first-round selections, give them a wide receiver. We're in the middle of this wide receiver run, and Drake London paired with Devontae Smith? Oh, boy, would love that. And Howie Roseman has not shied away from investing either money or draft picks in a big-bodied wide receiver. Look at Alshon Jeffrey. Look at J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Not saying that those evaluations were perfect, especially the latter. But again, some teams just might not want to, you know, dip their toe in that type of frame because it's it's kind of rare for that to hit. Harry Roseman is is the opposite. And so he's a big play guy. We talked about a lot in his, you know, lone video, which you can find on the channel as well. He does more than just contested catches. So let's get rid of that belief out there. Yeah, I think the Eagles are one of the more straightforward teams to kind of mock. That doesn't mean I'm going to get it right, of course, but they need uh, wide receivers for sure. And they keep trading away assets for next year's draft. And that's when they're probably going to make the big power move for quarterback. And that's why they did the trade with the saints. I think that, uh, Jamison Williams would also make sense if they are trading away picks to build for the future. This is a premium position. They could be patient with Jamison Williams, but Drake London usually is off the board by this point. So if he's still here, I think that would be a slam dunk picking a good compliment to Devonta Smith's game. They're basically the exact opposite yep. receivers. And I think they want to give Jalen Hurts somewhat of a chance, but they traded away one of the first rounders from this year to next year. So they can trade up and make a massive move for one of like the actual like elite quarterback prospects. Yeah. And the video we have on the channel, hopefully you all check it out. Uh, I compared him at least to Mike Evans evaluation coming out of Texas A&M, not the final product that Mike Evans, you know, has become, but very similar in terms of yards after catch and force missed tackles and all that stuff. He wins at multiple levels. Drake London does, and that'd be very useful here. So. I saw a comp uh, to Michael Thomas, and I kind of like that too. He wins underneath mm. more than people expect, and he can win downfield and contested catches. So does Michael Thomas. So speaking of Michael Thomas, let's jump to 16, the New Orleans Saints. 
We know they lost to Ron Armstead. We know they added another first round pick here. We'll get into a moment, but I have them taking here. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. I haven't watched these guys in depth. I would just assume that there's a pretty steep cliff from the top three offensive tackles down to this one, but how we have viewed the saints so far this off season, they kept the same defensive play caller and elevated him to head coach. They basically kept the same OC who is now the play calling OC. They are bringing the band back together in a lot of ways. So if you're going to continue to lead in to the same exact strengths with Jameis Winston as your quarterback, offensive line 100% has to be that because that's been part of your identity. And so investing another first round pick into it to me just makes obvious sense. Super freak athlete, uh, considered a better run blocker than pass protector, which is not a problem for the Saints, who have been been running a pretty much quick-hitting, uh, balanced offense. It makes total sense as the Toronto Armstead. I also had this mocked. I think the, the bigger discussion here is people see this trade, basically trading a, a future first for first-round pick this year as a sign that the Saints aren't done yet and are going to yep. actually flip this to go up to draft a quarterback. And I did notice in both Dean Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah, two different companies, they both wrote in their blurbs that 18th is the lowest that Kenny Pickett would go. And that's because of where the saints were drafting. And so you can c- connect a couple dots. I'm taking the opposite approach, even though that does make sense. I think that this team thinks that they can win now. Like I think they're delusional, but they keep investing and keep restructuring these contracts on older players. You're only doing that if you think that you can make the playoffs. And I think that this team is, this is just them pushing all in again, even though it's a complete wild card. And they also signed Andy Dalton. I, I know it's like not, not that big of a deal, but they signed Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton to do that. And then to go trade up for a first round pick with, and you have to give up multiple first round picks to do so seems a little rich to me. I think they just, they think their roster is better than the, everyone else thinks. Yep. And that's just kind of like the Saints MO for a long time. Now, we have seen teams make a move like this. A small jump up before a big leap forward, right? The Philadelphia Eagles did it when trading up for Carson Wentz. They moved to 10 and then up to 2. I believe the Buffalo Bills did it before trading up for Josh Allen as well. So, like, it's not just one giant leap forward to get to the position to take a quarterback. If you are going to do that, it sometimes takes multiple moves. And this might be might be that one. But I'm... I'm of the same you know, wavelength you are where, where they believe that they can compete and you wouldn't just keep all the same people unless you, you know, were in that mindset. So, yeah, they're probably looking at the Panthers roster and the Falcons roster. They're like, yeah, we can, we can beat these, these knuckleheads. All right, let's have some fun. 17, oh, baby. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama going to the Los Angeles chargers. Right. Tackle is an obvious weak point. For the Chargers, we need to get Storm Norton the hell out of here. Okay, it's tough. Get him out. But we get to this point, and four offensive tackles have already been drafted. Could we see them move up for a tackle? One hundred percent. But could we not and sit here and satisfy every single one of my wishes and give them potentially the best vertical player in this entire draft? Someone who stretches defenses, utilizes the arm strength of Justin Herbert from those opposite hash throws that we love to talk about that no one else can pull off. Mike Williams, re-sign, big money, still vertical player. Guess what? Have two guys that go downfield with Keen Allen underneath and let's boogie. This pick would just be, I mean, amazing. This would be solidified the Chargers having like the best offseason, going all in on a rookie contract. Uh, this is, they need speed. Mike Mike Williams is a good 
number one receiver. Uh, I think Keenan Allen is a little bit in the decline, but still very good in his role. They need speed. Like this is Jalen Guyton that went, that was a, a four star Ohio State to Alabama. Uh, I mean, he was just absolutely incredible. So this pick or Chris Olave would make a total, a lot of sense. I will say with the right tackle thing, they could move Filer back to right tackle. Yeah. He has experience there and then go draft a Zion Johnson or, or a second round uh, interior lineman as well. Uh, this team doesn't have that many needs. Like Jordan Davis would make some sense still. Definitely Chris Olave or Jamison Williams. That's what the fantasy community is thinking. Um, this pick would just be insane. It would be tough. It would be tough scenes for a defensive coordinator. And I believe Jameson's already doing some running, some working out. It was obviously an ACL tear he, he's coming off of. And sure, are there some vertical players still out there that they could sign? Potentially. But make a strength stronger, man. You spent all for agent cycle, you know, shoring up the defense. J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, trading for Khalil Mack. To me, that allows them to then open it up and have a little fun and offense during this uh, during this NFL draft. So, uh Jamison would be so much fun. It, it wouldn't be shocking at all, Hayden. I know he's coming off an injury if he's the number one wide receiver selected. Like he oh, offers yeah. something that a lot of other wide receivers in this draft do not. And it's just that pure, unfiltered, downfield speed. And it's fun. It's fun. All right. Second first round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. I had to stop the fall of Kyle Hamilton here. And this would be a la. Howie Roseman bringing in Malcolm Jenkins a few years ago is like a real presence over the middle of the field. Now, I know that this defense is a bit different now under Jonathan Gannon. And I know that people freak out about Jonathan Gannon because his defense was very vanilla. Let's put it that way. Um, some whispers that maybe his defense was vanilla because he had a lot of bad players in it, namely at the linebacker group, a position that the Eagles have never invested in under Howard Rosen. So maybe they go, go in that direction. He changes his ways and they go after um, someone, someone there, but like Devin Lloyd, I'm going to give them Cal Hamilton here as just like a middle of the field spine of your defense, young player that you can build around. I was hoping for an edge rusher because I don't think that they're done. there. bringing back, you know, Derek Barnett and, Brennan Graham's extremely old, but there just were none left, in my opinion, that would fit what they want in terms of athletic, get up the field, and that size. Yeah, this would be a decent fall for Kyle Hamilton, who didn't have the exact testing numbers that we were expecting, but all the film bros can't get enough of this guy. His over-under is at 8.5, more juice on the over. So I think we're looking at that, maybe what, 7th overall to maybe about here is the window. He's... He's going. He's one of. He's been one of the people on the decline since the testing numbers come out. Um, I I think that Devin Lloyd would make a lot of sense for this team. At least with Devin Lloyd, he is super productive and a good athlete. So even a front office that doesn't value that position. I mean, that position's been so bad for them. Yeah. And he seems like a uh, Devin Lloyd. I want to talk about. He's getting pushed up boards. He's top twelve in Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah's rankings. Bruce Feldman mocked him to the fifth overall. So I think that Devin Floyd. His evaluations are kind of all over the place right now, but he wouldn't be, it would be a surprise. It wouldn't be a big surprise if he kind of went earlier than expected. Yeah. Could you name one linebacker on the Philadelphia Eagles right now? TJ Edwards or TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. Look at you. Are you looking at it right in front of me? No, I wrote about this. I, in my, in my mock draft, I originally had Devin Lloyd. So I had a, the blurb and I deleted yeah. it. Moved now, him up. Again, for someone that has been in his position for so long, we kind of know who how he is. Like he just does not draft linebackers this early. Period. Now, again, could Jonathan Gannon, who has got a 
few head coaching interviews this offseason say, hey, man, in order to run the defense that I want to run, I need linebackers who can move and who can make plays and that are talented, right? Yeah. And so maybe that would take them in the direction of Devin Lloyd, but based on his history, how he just doesn't do that. Yeah, and 18th overall is not that high. I think it's different talking well, talk about first rounder. Yeah, it's a but it's not like top <laughs> ten. Like I don't know, you kind of reach a cliff. Like every every single, you're not a uh, an NFL draft, Nick, unless you say I have 16 first round grades, and then you get to all these guys. I think that they can be kind of in that spot where they just reach on a position that fills a need. Like he would be a big upgrade to what, what they got, whether he's a, a Pro Bowler or not. All right, let's have some more fun. New wow. Orleans Saints with their second first round pick, number 19 overall, select Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore. I understand that this is ahead of some other names like Traylon Burks, for example. This is going to happen. We talked about in the offensive line group just because since, I don't know, August, you've been reading, well, it's Evan Neal, it's Icky Iguanu, it's Charles Cross. And for wide receivers, it's, you know, Traylon Burks near the top. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen this way. And you can, you know, mix and match all the names I just said. But there's going to be a shakeup at some point in these quote-unquote set rankings at position groups. Sky Moore, I understand he's coming out of Western Michigan. Guess what? Mickey Loomis, Jeffrey Lurie, whoever you want to talk about. No, not Jeffrey Lurie. uh, Jeff Ireland. They want to, like, they don't care about big programs. They freaking traded up for Marcus Davenport coming out of UTSA for an extra first-round pick, right? If you are a small school and productive, to them and can make a difference, you will be picked. And Sky Moore, to me, the equation, the team need, the fit, all of it with a second first round pick. I would, I would love to see him at number 19 overall. I know that's super early, Hayden. Yeah. I have nine mock drafts. He's hasn't been in a, in the top 32 in a single that's one funny. of them. Yeah. I mean, He's pretty good, though, and the analytical models love him. So he is a sneaky He's young. One. He's 21 he's and a half. He's athletic. He was super productive. He was fantastic after the catch. I mean, I'm I'm all in. If this happens, like, I'm all in for fantasy. We're, we're, we Go watch this video. We, we're fans of Sky Moore. And there's going to be a definite push for wide receivers. It seems like the NFL is not loving having to pay all these wide receivers $25 Correct. million dollars a year, and they're liking what they're getting because, what, Six out of 10 of these first 50 overall wide receiver picks last couple of years have been very good. So I feel like it's like the little arbitrage too. So maybe we see some of these guys sneak in. If you have to pay a wide receiver now, you have to pay him $20 million a year. So getting a guy with a fifth year option like this, rather than having, you know, to try to wrestle one away or trading multiple picks and then to pay also a guy. I understand that like, it might seem as if Sky Moore's name, we're going to get to a couple more have now been elevated out of nowhere. Look what the market did with Christian Kirk and, you know, all these other deals that we have seen. Um, There's going to be a wide receiver run in the first round. Six, seven, maybe even more than that will probably go in this area. So, all right, 20 Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go back to being boring. I have them with interior defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Uh, This run defense absolutely sucked. Cam Hayward at 33 is easily still their best player. They have some questions with Stefan Tuitt. You know, they lost Javon Hargrave a couple off seasons ago. And Devontae Wyatt, athletic guy, big time program. Steelers really like that. It makes too much sense to me. Kenny Pickett is on the board. Why defensive tackle over Kenny Pickett? Yeah, I mean, it might change. But I just need more information on how this quarterback class is being viewed. Because right now, it's like closer to me of the EJ manual year and then everyone else outside of round one, 
versus what we have seen in recent years of, oh, guaranteed three, four, five going round one. Yeah, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, uh, Sam Howell. If those guys fall to day three, I wouldn't be surprised. There's not that many opening spots for quarterbacks. Like the, just the last couple of years, there's been so many good quarterbacks and the the veterans are playing a little bit longer. It's like kind of hard to find like positions. This would be one of them with the Steelers. They did not give Trubisky right. a lot of cash. And this is a team that is very willing to trade up into the top 10 when they have a target. Devin Bush, they did that from around this area of the draft. So if they have that quarterback they want to go up and get, they they will 100% do it. And yeah, your last point on Mitch Trubisky, they gave him a backup quarterback contract, you know? Yep. It's like a one-year starter if you want him to be. You can easily move off of that immediately if you have a guy that you absolutely love. 21, New England Patriots. Are Zion Johnson out of Boston College. I was shocked by the Shaq Mason trade. I know that Michael Unwinu is going to 100% start at one of the guard spots, but now you're looking at like James Ferentz at the other. Hayden, we talked about it, and especially if Bill is taking over a little bit more of the offensive play calling, I know that they might be getting rid of a fullback. They are a bit of transition without Josh McDaniels on offense, but the core of that team last year, what they wanted to be were bullies up front and blocking with their front five offensive linemen and uh, bring in a guard of this caliber, a local guy makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Zion Johnson. I have like seven or eight mock drafts and he goes between 18 and 24 in every single one of them. So this is, this is his range. 22 green Bay Packers with their first of two first round selections. Let's do it. Wide receiver Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. We talked about this a lot with Devontae Adams. You know, it's beautiful when Devontae's allowed to go in isolation one-on-one on the outside, but they love quick throws. They love RPOs. They love screens. He was fourth in the league in screens last season. Uh, we discussed in Traylon Burks's evaluation. There's a video down below if you want to check that out. In some ways, he was used kind of like Arkansas's Debo Samuel. In the slot, manufactured touches, even stuff behind the backfield, shorter receptions. Let's get the ball in your hands and let you rumble. So if we can kind of split Devontae Adams in half and this guy can take some of that manufactured touch, short reception, let you run with it after the catch, something that Matt LaFleur and the tree that he comes from is known for, that projection makes sense to me with Burks and Aaron Rodgers in the Packers. Yeah, I think this is the wide receiver that makes a lot of sense for the reasons you lined out. It's also easier to find the speed guys. It's easier to find a Marquez Valdez scantling than kind of find this position. The only one weirdness is like they have Amari Rogers and Rondo Cobb and Alan Lazard plays in the slot. So there's like a lot of kind of this type of body type, but he's like at another level when it comes to yards after the catch. I wouldn't be surprised if Traylon Burks goes a little bit earlier than this, Same. but I also had Traylon Burks, uh, mocked here as well i think i don't want to call this floor because he didn't test quite as well as i thought he was going to but i think we're looking between basically pick 15 with the eagles to green bay 22 is kind of his range shit man i wouldn't be shocked if Traylon burks is the first wide receiver off the board like if someone wants to look at those isolated snaps when he is one-on-one and asked to win down the field where he does and think like oh if we just give more of those opportunities we can do it again i'm not saying like he's just an rpo or guy with the ball in his hands yak threat that's just to me, what translates easiest from his game that we saw at Arkansas because they did it over and over and over again. Hell, the Jets were in the same offense that we were just talking about how he's a good scheme fit, and they're looking for a wide receiver too. Correct. But, yeah, 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 but we kind of outlined that. It was a bit of a different type that they saw in the different model that they had. Okay, 23, Arizona Cardinals. 
for a team that started off the season so well, created so much goodwill. Hey, and this roster has some Swiss cheese in it, you know, some real holes. Uh, a starting outside wide receiver is one. Uh, an offensive lineman is one. But cornerback, if they don't get one early in this draft, that means two straight years that they basically punted the outside corner position. And so Kyrie Elam out of Florida is who I have for the Cardinals at 23 overall. Yeah, I have corner and edge. Everything else seems passable. Like I don't think they should spend even more money on offense. They already got a bunch of assets and investments on that side of the ball. They need an edge rusher. They lost Chandler Jones, J.J. Watts, I think 33 coming off, obviously, all of his injuries. And they need corners. So just filter those two positions and whoever's best available. Yeah, and I read one beat writer who said they really care about physicality and getting up in the wide receiver's face. Uh, Kyrie Elam versus Jamison Williams, if you want to go back and watch that, they did a lot of that fist fighting and stuff. And it was, it was fun to watch. Okay. 24 Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I'm being lame. I understand they have a wide receiver need, but we just saw sky Moore come off the board along with Traylon Burks. Uh, it seems like they're very, very interested in this group, bringing in a whole bunch of visits, but I'm not sure if they want to take the leap to the next one. So offensive line is still a pretty big issue for them. Connor Williams is gone. Obviously Lyle Collins is gone. Give me Kenyon green who has, Played at a variety of spots. In fact, he started at right guard, left guard, and left tackle in three consecutive games this past season. Find a spot where he fits in your front five and start him. Yeah, I'm looking at the mock drafts that I track, and five of the seven have this as an interior offensive lineman. It's basically Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson, who is commonly mocked there. Maybe you can get crazy and go linebacker as well if you want to make Micah Parsons an edge rusher. Um, or wide receiver. I don't think wide receiver is that big of a need, though. I mean, you're already paying like two guys decent money and Dalton Schultz plus two good running backs. I feel like they need to protect Dak Prescott more than anything. Thirsty, though, Jerry Jones is for a wide receiver. Doesn't it feel like that? I mean, always. really thirsty. Always. All right. So we go from the Dallas Cowboys. Let's have a little bit more fun here with the Buffalo Bills. Hayden Winks, I am buying into them loving Brees Hall. And I'll tell you why. We heard prior to last offseason, last draft season, they were interested in Travis Etienne. That's the type of a space player who can make explosive things happen with the ball in his hands. Then they try to sign J.D. McKissick, a player, an archetype, that they have nothing like it on their offense. A real like running back slash wide receiver hybrid who can shine in the passing game. I even heard prior to Alvin Kamara coming into the league that they were interested in Alvin freaking Kamara. So this dates back years and years and years. Brees Hall, while he, you know, is not Jaden McKissick in terms of his, you know, passing game usage is to me the back that has the size, has the speed, has that great second and third level vision. Again, plus that straight line 40 to make big plays happen that when you view the bills, I still think that they're asking themselves, hey, how can we take this offense to the next level? And it's getting a certified number one running back. And that's why Brees Hall at 25 is listed here. Yep. Four of the seven mock drafts have Brees Hall going here, including Daniel Jeremiah, including Joe Boscaglia, who covers the Bills very closely. So this, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It fills a need. And they basically told Devin Singletary, we don't re really view you as much by bringing in JD McKissick. So they already opened that bag up. So I can see them being... Um, a team that goes after Brees Hall. I think this is the team that makes the most sense in the first round. I personally would not do it, but if you're looking at running back prop odds, 
to me, it's the Bills. These other teams don't need need uh, running backs, really. And I, again, I do think that the Bills are of that mindset of, well, we do all this stuff well. What is the next thing that we can take the next step and continue to add on to a strength? And running back would be it. CH, baby. Never fails. <laughs> but if they had taken Jonathan Taylor like that, it would have been all different, you know? So, like, okay. 26, Tennessee Titans. Uh, let's go back to the offensive line. Tyler Linderbaum, um, Roger Saffold, key member of this group. They have swung and missed on a few other offensive line prospects, namely Isaiah Wilson. Linderbaum from Brandon Thorne is like a true anchor on the interior of any offensive line. And so for a team that relies so much on play action, so much on the running game, shoring up the interior makes too much sense. Yeah, the Titans, their draft process is if you can't beat up uh, Coach Vrabel, then you're not on their draft board. I think that Linderbaum qualifies. 27 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have them taking defensive lineman Travis Jones out of UConn. Um, I know he doesn't have like great raw sack stats, but when you go back and watch him, there's a lot of interior disruption and disruption is production, ladies and gentlemen. And so when Vita Vea is out there wreaking havoc uh, and Dom Kung Su, I believe is still a free agent. Um, they've lost JPP as well. So they need to add actually some pieces to that defensive line. I know that they took one in round one last year, but Travis Jones this is going to rub people the wrong way, but his you know, evaluation isn't too dissimilar to like Jerry Tillery coming out, like someone who's just all get up the field, all penetration, and try to wreak some havoc. And so uh, he makes sense to me here as filling a need for the Bucks. Yeah, a lot of people keep mocking interior linemen just because of Ali mm. Marpet's injury or uh, retirement. So I can see them going Kenyon Green, one of the guys that we just talked about. It seems like it's going to be a trench pick or corner. I am double dipping with the Green Bay Packers at wide receiver. Now, Hayden, some game theory here. And maybe I do this in the final one, too. If we know or believe that the Packers are going to take a wide receiver in the first round, why not say, okay, I'm Two going chances. to bypass the thought that I can get both of them correct and instead take two chances on the one position. And that's why I have them taking Christian Watson here out of North Dakota State. Just quickly on where he fits. Traylon Burks, we said split in half the wide receivers that they lost in Devontae Adams and MVS. That's the yards after catch that, as you talked about with the Burks. Christian Watson, at the very least, a better athlete than just about every single corner he's facing up against. Run vertically, get downfield, and here's your deep shot target like MVS. Yeah, and he'll drop the ball like MVS. It'd be perfect fit over there, too. Going back to the game theory, why do you think I have Malik Willis mocked to the Lions 32nd overall, Josh? <laughs> I, I know like how the it. scoring works. I like it. I I think that that's one way of doing it. Um, and I do believe Christian Watson can develop to be more than you know just that downfield player. Part of it, again, is that he was just a better athlete than everyone out there. You know, just a, simply a better athlete than he was um, at the FCS level. And I, I'd be excited to see what his development's like in two or three years. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs at twenty nine. Um, a lot of people believing that this team is also in for wide receivers. Hayden, just quickly before I go to my pick. Do you think it's that simple losing Tyreek Hill and replacing him with a rookie that you picked up a first round pick for? Because to me, the Juju Smith-Schusters and the MVSs, not saying that like that completes the wide receiver room, but it's not as much of a need as it is for some of these other teams. They fill different spots. Like it, it's a well-constructed, like Travis Kelsey is your X receiver. Then you have Juju in the slot. MVS is your deep threat uh, Z receiver. So it makes sense to keep it how it is. Um, I also listened to Charles Robinson, friend of the show, and he said that they're connected to DK Metcalf. I'm not expecting that to happen, but I think that I wouldn't rule out something crazy Eight. like that. Um, I don't think that any of the top five wide receivers are going to fall to Kansas City. 
That's the, that's the big issue. So they're in the Christian Watson. George Pick, George Pickens makes more sense as like a true X receiver if we're going to go reach. But I think they might end up using like a day two pick and just win this thing with depth. Uh, or maybe they go like another tight end and and like the they go after Trey McBride in the third round or something like that too. So at twenty nine, I have them taking corner Trent McDuffie out of Washington. I've seen on a lot of lists out there, McDuffie is like a top fifteen overall prospect. Top that's 20. a consensus, right? So my concern with that is some of these teams. Again, I'll go back to maybe the Browns and the Vikings and other teams that use thresholds. He has less than thirty inch arms, and I'm not sure how many teams are going to spend a top twenty overall pick on McDuffie, but we know that Spags and this Chiefs defense likes to utilize players at corner and safety and outside and all that type of stuff. And so despite him spending 80% of his snaps on the outside, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves closer to the to the defensive line here. Yeah, I have uh, Trent McDuffie falling to, I think, 21st overall in my mock draft too. So the consensus is that high, but I'm with you. Thresholds matter. Let's jump to 30 then. Also the Chiefs, I have them taking Edge, Arnold, Ebiketti. I like Penn State. Yes. Athletic freak. Penn State is known for those lately. And actually, the Chiefs, one, Frank Clark is probably not going to be in this roster this time next year. Um, And so other than Chris Jones, they really don't have anyone that is going to be able to create consistent pressure. And this team has taken some random, out of nowhere, big body who they think are athletes. Tano Passignon sticks out. Um, There was an Ole Miss guy that I can't remember his name. These guys were overdrafted a little bit, but... You know, being able to work with this and just at the very least utilizing his speed and his pressure. Um, Melvin Ingram came in and brought them some juice at the end of last year, and they need to replace that. Yeah, his numbers are good, man. He's not just an athlete. I'm looking at just how often they win according to PFF, and he's right next to Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, literally like triple Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson. So I think that if you're looking for like sleeper edge rushers that can sneak into the first round or surprise like a top 20 pick, I think that this guy makes a lot of sense to kind of fill fill that void. 31 Cincinnati Bengals. I've been taking linebacker Devin Lloyd. I know I need to get him in here at some point. It's been hard, as you can see, to fit an off-ball linebacker into how teams view positional needs with wide receivers and tackles and pass rushers and so on and so forth. Um, Bengals defense, though, I mean, outside corner is 100% probably a need. They lost some defensive linemen in free agency as well. So... Devin Lloyd, while Logan Wilson is someone definitely to build with and, and build around, would add just another element there in the interior for them. Yeah, they talk about Linderbaum here as well to kind of complete that offensive line. They're one piece away from having a good offensive line, which is crazy to say, but they really revamped that thing so far. So um, my my one take, I, I think that Devin Lloyd, I think, has a better chance of going top 15 than falling this far. Um, but we got him in the first round. That's one point on the board for the old mock draft scoring. Let's close it out with 32, the Detroit Lions. I've been taking defensive back Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Uh, believe he played like a lot of slot corner this past year, but I know a lot of projections have him in the deeper portions of the field. This is a weird team with their cornerback and defensive back evaluations like Jeff Okuda, his future because of that injury and how he played before that injury is still, you know, purgatory potential, like some some no man's land. Um so just someone that can play in a variety of, of places and you know roam a lot of territory makes sense to me at 32. Yeah, if you're grinding NFL draft props, this is the name that you kind of have to pay attention if he's going to be listed as a safety or a corner. Ah. That's going to kind of switch some things based off of the over-unders on that stuff because he is going to be playing some some nickel corner in the NFL. I believe Mel Kuyper, 
one other person recently moved him all the way up to their number one safety as well, which might be some intel coming out of NFL teams that he could be taken higher than people realize. Yeah, I have him for sure in the board. He seems like he's going to be in the 20s. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Brugler rank him 19th and 23rd. So we're, I think I think he's going to be a first-round guy. Uh, there is so much time left in April, so much time for hopefully information to leak to us that they would then we will then you know relay on to you and have maybe the most mock you know best mock draft in history once again hayden would back that be possible back. dynasty back dynasties mm, let's do it okay hey anything that you want to say before we get out of here it's a long show today yeah we're not re- releasing josh is not releasing another mock draft until we're at ten thousand subs easy as that you want more we'll release one right when we get to ten thousand subs how about that uh I- <laughs> Yes. Yes, we are. All right. (laughs) Possibly. Okay. Do that. Like, subscribe. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. For Kay, for Rummy, for Tom, for Sweeps, for Tony, for Matt, for Tyrone, for Badman, for all of you for tuning in. The podcast feed, thank you for liking, subscribing, for sharing this. Again, if you're new to the channel, welcome. Welcome. And check out the rest of the content. Draft season. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. All right, everyone. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.